This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer it's amandine in 2016 welcome back to like the beacons a Lotro podcast focusing on low-tech microphones subpar sound effects and slipshod editing oh and did i mention the mmorpg Lotro? this is episode number 47 and i am your host brag of the lonely mountain strategist and dwarf of ill repute so we are still recovering here from our New Year celebrations. Uh, probably would have been a good opportunity for me to do another episode of uh, Drunken Middle-Earth Lore. Um, the crowd in the Foundations of Stone was staggeringly huge, even if half of them were Globsnaga orcs. Uh, they all collected together to wear funny party hats, stupid glasses, and to watch the ball drop. Um, in this case, down the endless stairs. As a matter of fact, it's... Uh, it's still dropping. Um, we're hoping it might reach us sometime in May. Uh, so there's great acoustics there for a band. And um, Iron Garrison Maiden was playing pretty good. I still haven't got my hearing quite back just yet. Uh, but while they continue to clean up there, we will be broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ here in Winterhome. The home of the Winter Festival. And, uh, yes, home to the most depressing Christmas celebrations this side of Charles Dickens' tiny, timless alternative universe. Here I am handing out stale bread crust to starving homeless waifs. And, uh, meanwhile, let me turn around and gorge myself silly at multiple tables filled with a cornucopia of holiday largesse and earn the title of Feast Beast while, uh, while the starving citizens stagger off into the snow complaining that, uh, how mean we are to them. I mean, who am I, Grima? How can anyone sleep at nights with this kind of social injustice under our noses? Um, maybe it's the kegs of booze being run and they'll see through the streets by an army of daily present earners. Uh, that could be helping on that score. Well, it's a new year, so uh, let's turn over a new leaf and completely transform the nature and format of the podcast for all of our loyal viewers. And uh, look, it's 2016, so let's get one thing straight right here. You're not viewers, okay? It's like it's like using the force to penetrate an enemy shield generating base. That's not how it works. That's n that's not how any of this works. Um, and before we get too silly, let's move on to our second beacon. Okay, I didn't have the sound effect ready, so I faked that one. Hang on. There, that's better. Look, people are like, he said it was going to be different. It's the same shtick. It's the same old crap that he used to do, wrapped up in a shiny new bow and burrito. Um, yeah. 
So, first it's time for CRAP. Corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Uh, last week, last year, we definitely offended. Last year, we offended anyone that listened to the tail end of the last podcast of 2015. It was uh, certainly a, a creative nadir in the sordid history of LTB. I mean, Grima, was that really the best that you could do? Haven't you ever done karaoke in King Theoden's Hall with uh, Eowyn, you know, doing backup to your uh, uh, little muskrat? Um, I, I can't imagine, you know, for shame. Um, fool me was shame on me. Uh, let me let uh, Treebeard, Grima, and Gollum sing together, shame on you. And uh, to anyone who listened to that uh, little holiday ditty, I issue a very solemn and heartfelt Sorry. Uh, so viewer comments. I I don't think we had any. Eh. I had a, a couple folks that wished me Happy New Year's right back at you. Uh, didn't check for iTunes reviews. I doubt very much I got one of those. People are busy over the holidays. I'll check next time, I swear. The Twitter sphere has been alight with commentary. I don't have any of it. Didn't take time to collect it. Um, community spotlight. Things have been slow for the holiday season. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to um, to uh, Tommy York for his uh, Landerville welcome present for Bragg. Really do appreciate that. And uh, did want to mention one other kind of fun little phenomenon for the season. Um, there was, geez, what server was it on? Now I'm flagging. I'm not sure which one it was. Let's say it was Landerville. Uh, there was a uh, community member called Santa Kazad. Uh, that was his. Uh, that was his in-game name. Uh, was a dwarf, obviously. I didn't see his costume. I only saw him in the chat channel. And he had collected a number of Christmas gifts from his friends and was uh, basically sending sending them out via the mail system to anyone who wanted to nominate a friend who felt like they deserved a gift. So uh, Santa Kazad sent Bragg a, a nice little stack of beer. Uh, I believe it was beer, either that or, or pipe weed. I think there were a variety of different presents available. And this is a phenomenon I've seen in the past where people played Santa Claus uh, over the holidays, uh, collected things from their kin, and then spent uh, you know days in game handing them out to other players. Uh, love that fun kind of stuff in the community. It's great to see. So thanks, Santa Kazad. Uh, wishing you a merry merry as well, especially since you're a fellow dwarf. Forums Insider. So I'm sure there's been buzz from the producer's letter, but I haven't read any of it, so I don't know. <laughs> I've not been out there combing the airwaves looking for... I'm sure people dug up some problems with the producer's letter. You know, They said it was a raid, but they didn't say what kind of raid. They didn't say it was going to be a big raid or a small raid or that it had new itemization. You know, I'm sure they found something to complain about. So um, I... Uh, I, I probably intentionally ignored it and somewhat unintentionally ignored it uh, given the, the different demands of the holiday season. Uh, but the server transfers did open up uh, come the new year uh, off of the, um, the remaining servers that are going to be in the game. So at long last, uh, again, my, my Landrival server slots were filled because uh, some of my uh, some of the baby dwarves in the house had filled in all the slots on Landerville, or at least half of them previously, with other characters. And some of them were advanced enough, I just was not comfortable uh, deleting them outright. 
So as we related in a previous podcast, I had a number of characters that were still stranded on Vilia waiting for slots to open up on Landreval so that I could uh, finish my transition. Um, so lo and behold, I went to go ahead and uh, move those remaining characters, and uh, I was not able to because I didn't have enough server transfer tokens. So this was something I didn't realize. Maybe I didn't research it well enough or read the fine print. Um, in the initial moves off of Landreval, off of the remaining worlds, I didn't realize those were going to be governed by those. Uh, server transfer tokens. I thought those were going to be after an initial period where it was a free-for-all. So as it turned out, I can only move three three characters off of Landreval onto another server, which I did, and that enabled me to um, move all my tunes but one to be co-located on Landreval, and uh, which was kind of my plan in the first place anyway. Um, I had to delete one of the character that wasn't very high level to fit everybody, um, but. Before I make way for my last tune to move off of Vilia, my lowly level 32 warden will stand a lonely vigil until his world is turned off. So I have to admit there's a little bit of a desire to be there when the lights go out, um, depending on the schedule for when Vilia is terminated. And, uh, you know, certainly things are lonely out there on Vilia. I logged into him and went to the Winter Festival a few times. I think I saw one other tune at Winter Home last week on Vilia. And uh, it's certainly a ghost town now compared to the, the servers that are remaining. But I think Vilia is not scheduled to be turned off until, you know, late spring, early summer, like June-ish or something like that. Um, so I'm going to keep that last tune on that server just to bear silent witness to the uh, to the closing of that world. Uh, it's a little nostalgic. I'll probably be anticlimactic, but feel like something I got to do. But uh, everybody else is now in Landreval, uh, so good assortment of tunes there to choose from. And uh, what I've noticed is, it seems to me at least, the Vilia community is basically relocated to Landerville, which I think is really cool. I'm seeing tons of names I recognize over there. Um, uh, I certainly think it, it appears to me to have been the, the, the one of the foremost destinations for people relocating from Vilia, which is cool. Uh, of course, the major hubs are still buzzing in the game in Landerville, and I'm seeing callouts for things in chat like level 32 in of the Forsaken runs, level 40-ish Forno runs, T3, IV, IC crevasse, scrade runs, uh, you know, things that I would never see uh, being called out for pugging uh, on Vilia of old. So so it is uh, definitely uh, much looked for improvement with lots of grouping opportunities. So that's enough about what's been going on in the community and the forums. In this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks. Of course, we're going to review my 2015 predictions and spit out a report card for last year. We're going to review the producer's letter contents, of course, and make some 2016 predictions. And lastly, at the end of the podcast, we have a special treat. A best of Clips Retrospective from LTB 2015 called Best of the Beacons Volume 2. With that, let's move on to our third beacon. The first Nardal of 2016, this week in gaming and or other Tolkien news. Uh, so other games, I have played none of DDO, Secret World, Marvel Heroes. I have had a, a flash of activity with Clash of Clans. They did their typical seasonal holiday gem boost, which means you can um, basically supercharge your resource uh, producing um, 
uh, nodes in the game uh, for a very cheap price. And this typically not only allows you to accumulate wealth and upgrade your, uh, your, uh, your castle and clan, significantly during that time period but when you attack others invariably there are a lot more options of people that are loaded with uh with with booty to to purloin um so during this time frame i've uh, gotten my archer queen to level five which finally unlocks her special ability uh, which is a big boost uh, upgraded a cannon to uh, the next major tier. I forget what tier it is, but it costs 3.2 million gold. Upgraded a Tesla, my Dark Spell Factory, a lot of my walls, got a second expo. Upgraded my P.E.K.K.A.s, which took 10 days in the research lab, significant amount of time. So lots of activity in Clash of Clans and a few things I'm forgetting as well, I'm sure. Uh, no play in Star Trek Online. I did uh, continue a little bit in ba Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, Played this early in the holiday break and got past a few more checkpoints, including another trippy scarecrow interlude, which are kind of fun and cool, and uh, a Harley Quinn showdown, which um, took me a few tries to get by and cut some kind of uh, you know triple level arena with uh, with freezing platforms and mobs of guys trying to attack you with with. Um, with stun batons. Uh, so that took a few tries to get past, but I'm safely, safely past it now. Uh, I spent some time watching my uh, baby dwarves in the house play with their new Jurassic Park Lego game, which was one of the uh, Christmas acquisitions. Uh, it looked fun as usual for the Lego games with a, a few new twists in it, being one of the la latest ones introduced. Um, so it looks to be a, a fun acquisition there. And of course there was a steam sale over the holidays. Uh, first, there was, um, you know, reached my price point being the cheap dwarf that I am for uh, Don't Starve, which has been out for some time, but was able to get that and the Reign of Giants DLC for, I think, you know, the base game for like five bucks and maybe another buck fifty for the DLC. So that, that, is, uh, that is in my price range. It's a game I've seen played before online once or twice. It's got kind of an Edgar Allan Poe-esque graphic um, aesthetic, which I kind of dig. And uh, I'm certainly going to give that a try at some point soon. Um, also purchased a game based on a recommendation uh, over at Burton and Scrooge called Eon Alter, which is a game you can play over your home network with multiple people um, utilizing uh, tablets or mobile devices as controllers for the game. Uh, so you, you, you run it on your PC, and it kind of helps to have your PC connected into your TV so that you can have a big screen everyone can look at. And then uh, you can use your phones and iPads basically as controllers for your character, and it's a turn-based RPG. So there is a little bit of lag in the game from using the remote controllers, not directly connected to the computer, but since it's a turn-based RPG, it actually works pretty well. It doesn't, doesn't impact you that much uh, during combat. And uh, you, you get... Each of your characters gets introduced, gets a motivation, you get together, and you start to quest along the map. And uh, we were just starting to get into a groove with uh, moving them and activating their powers and starting to have fun with it when the game got crashed and we had to start over. And the second time playthrough, we got to maybe an hour into the game, and uh, we crashed. <laughs> and we had to kill it and start over again. Uh, at that point, we basically decided to quit for another day. And the annoying part for us was that each time we started, we had to start from scratch so we were repeating the same material that we did before and I thought there was maybe a bug but
But what I've read online is there are checkpoints in the game, but they're significantly far between. It's like a, you know, an hour and a half in to two hours in is the first checkpoint. Um, you know, there's like maybe one or two checkpoints per level as opposed to being able to do it, you know, in, in smaller increments. And people have asked, when are you going to get save points in the game? Because there are there are some natural items in the game that look like they should be save points, but they haven't quite worked out the logic yet, it being an alpha version. Um, so they say, yeah, it's a lot of work. We're looking into it. But in my mind, that would be fine if we weren't uh, bombing out. I wouldn't mind playing for an hour and a half and setting that time aside to get to the checkpoint. But, uh, you know, if we're going to be seizing up and having to play the same content again and again because of a defect, then this suddenly becomes a higher priority for me. So hoping the guys at Eon Alter, I'll be looking for the updates in Steam um, for budge, bug patches and fixes, and uh, we may wait for a few weeks or even a few months and give it another try. And uh, Lotro, Bragg has been still waiting on Bingo. Uh, left him in the Forsaken Inn. We'll have a nice long adventure at some point soon with him. Uh, Bragg's been doing winter home runs on a regular basis. Um, still no hobby horse, of course. And uh, finally, at long last, I crafted a new level 100 first age uh, Guardian's belt for uh, imbuement. I had been working with a second age 100 belt for quite some time that I'd put a good bit of work into, so it was kind of hard to let it go. Uh, but figured it was uh, time to bite the bullet and uh, see what I could do with a new imbued uh, first age level 100 belt. And it took some work and it took some resources, but I would say it, it definitely paid off. Um, uh, you know, I needed to do, it still took about an hour or two to get everything right, to apply all the damage modifier scrolls and get all the uh, runes and relics readjusted and level it up and pick the legacies and all that other so fun stuff. Get a scroll of delving on it and the crystal of remembrance. So I had all those things. It just took a while to put them all together, uh, craft some crafted relics to put on it and so forth. Uh, but the, the, new the new belt definitely has a much higher shield use rank. Um, of course, the funny part is there's an increase in the shield use rating, but the shield use rating has always been obfuscated, so it's really hard to tell you know, how much of a change there are there is unless you sat there and compared two with the same everything else on a training dummy and measured the numbers in a spreadsheet, which I'm not willing to do. Um, so I had to research legacies to put on this. I hadn't redone my belt in a while. And uh, one of the ones I had saved in my bank is Shield Wall Range, which is no longer a legacy. What they've done is they've extended the Shield Wall to make it usable as a core trade at 35 meters, where it used to be like useless at 20, and you have to you had to apply a legacy to get it to the point where you could use it uh, effectively in battle. So now that's a that's a core trait, so you don't need um, a legacy for shield wall range anymore, which allowed me to get rid of like the three shield wall legacy scrolls I had in my vault. <laughs> I did add a shield smash, uh, shield smash, shield smash damage legacy, and uh, it was one of the ones that was auto granted. I don't know if I would have picked it, but I'm actually liking it now. At the top tier, you can get plus 48% on your shield smash damage. And Shield Smash was a skill that was pretty lightweight in terms of the damage it used to do. And now it's actually one of my harder hitting skills. Um, base damage is 20, about 20, a little over 2600 for me. And so can crit significantly higher. Uh, so that's kind of nice actually. I'm enjoying that. 
Um, another one that was out there was Warchant Duration, which I decided to bypass. So Warchant War has a side effect of giving a 5% damage reduction on up to three targets. And I looked at it and I'm like, okay, so the duration of that lasts, you know, maybe 10 or 15 seconds longer. Yeah, it is three guys beating on you, but, you know, say a guy hits you for 1,000, uh, you're only removing... You know, 50 damage out of that against three targets, 150, you know, times, I don't know, another 10 seconds. Uh, it just didn't seem to really add up to me to something that was uh, maybe as impactful as some of the other areas. So I, I passed on that one. Another one, like Catch a Breath Morale Heal. So your Catch a Breath Morale Heal should be, you know, somewhere in the 1500 to 1800 to 1700 range. And you can increase it like 15% with a full legacy. That's like another 175 morale, you know, every uh, 45 seconds or whatever it is, depending on your cooldown. It just, you know, again, seems like it's a little out of touch, barely worth it. So right now I've got uh, uh, adaptability block and parry rating, which is a new one that I'm kind of digging now. Shield Smash Damage, Guardian's Pledge, Magnitude, um, Catch a Breath Morale Heal, and uh, and uh, actually what's more effective is the duration. Minus 17 seconds off the cooldown, so you can do it every 40 seconds about instead of every, uh, instead of every minute. And then uh, the Stoic Bubble Strength, which is, uh, I might get rid of that one. It's only useful, I think, in the... Uh, one of the stances when you're using Guardian's Pledge. So, anyway, um, when I look at the shield across the board, uh, I've also got, uh, for tanking, kind of Guardian's Ward block increase and force attack duration, uh, which is kind of an essential one for a guard, I think, you know, to manage your aggro. You get another five seconds out of your challenge and out of your, your taunts and litany of defiance and all those other things. Uh, plus, when you get the legacy to a certain level, it starts uh, ranking up um, shield damage as well. It's got like a t plus 20% shield blow damage increase. So I like between those two, I really like how my shield skills have increased in effectiveness. And I'm going to be trying to spam those a bit more and see how I do with, uh, with DPS. Um, overall, it does make a significant difference maxed out, maxed out, which takes like six full IXP runes at least. Uh, of course, you know, as much as I am comfortable with this process, I messed up. I was putting my relics back on after I'd, uh, you know, removed them from my old belt using a relic removal scroll. And I looked down and I noticed I was putting him into a third age belt that was on in my list instead of the new first age belt. And I had to waste another scroll to take him off again. Arg. Um, so, I've still got a couple tunes that have one imbued object and not another, and uh, trying to figure out who will be next for the upgrade when I have the time and the inclination. I'm trying to figure out which might have more impact. A minstrel book, or a Cappy emblem, emblem or, or maybe a Loremaster's book. Um, we'll see who I want to focus on next. Besides that, Bragg's been doing a few scrades, uh, but he's been largely taking a back seat right now to some of my other tunes, given that the Ministerial content for him is complete. Uh, my Bjorning has been leveling up significantly in doing high bolt dailies and is now level 89, I believe. And has come to the end of his journey at Hitbold, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a future beacon.
but uh, he is going to be moving on into the West End net very shortly and crossing the Entwade. Uh, my Minstrel is uh, still waiting to get some of those Oskiliath instances done. Uh, she's about halfway through the epic story for Minas Tirth. I'm kind of streamlining it down to just the epic quests for her, given that I've done most of the others twice now with uh, my Guardian and my Cappy. And Minstrel also joined in last week on one of the Thorog trains, which uh, seem to be so popular right now. I'm not sure if that's happening on the other servers, but at least on Landerville, on a busy night, you can see at least three Thorog raids going on simultaneously with up to 24 characters on them. They seem to be quite the rage right now, um, given the time frame it takes to execute and the number of seals, medallions, and marks which you can incur from them. Um... Although I think the loot table has been simplified, unfortunately. Uh, used to be that you could get, uh, you know, a teal item out of it, drop a class item, either a piece of armor or a sword or a shield. And now I'm only seeing the marks, medallions, and seals. Um, so it's basically people are doing it purely to help with empowerment, scroll, bartering uh, from the skirmish camps. I have to figure out the math at some point, see how many runs it takes for each scroll that you can acquire from the skirm camps. I'm guessing it might be two or three. Uh, but that's pretty quick to run through those. Um, and by the way, where the where the heck do you use what the heck do you use seals for anymore? They seem useless. <laughs> Starting to stockpile some seals, uh, you know, mostly from the Thorog runs, and there doesn't seem to be anything to spend them on. So we'll see if itemization changes that next this year. Uh, my Cappy, the fashionable one, uh, has been completing the epic battles for Minas Tirith. He's close to his hundred point uh, class trait point for epic battle points. Uh, so finally moving him up a little bit in the ranks. He's been doing Ministerial Questing. He's done, he's done with Ministerial Questing. Did most of the deeds in the area except the Slayer and the Roving Threat one. The Roving Threat one I'll do. That's the only one I need for a class trait point in the area. Uh, the Slayer one I really have to think about. <laughs> um, and uh, he'll probably grind the Kindred Rep for Ministerial since he's so close to achieving that anyway. Uh, nothing on the lore master this time around. Berg's been doing a little bit of central Gondor rep grinding. And my hunter, RK, warden, and champ have all been basically stationed in Frostbluff making daily gift runs. Uh, so a winter home gift run typically for me involves either... Uh, amending the keg emergency if my tune has any kind of run speed buff or uh, alternating that with the folks that don't have run speed buffs to go do uh, waking the snow beasts with three cheers those are the two quickest ones in my estimation and usually I alternate except one thing I've noticed um, you tell me if this is your experience as well the Frost Bluff gifts from the Winter Festival appear to have changed to me. As a matter of fact, I think they suck this year. Kind of like a pair of Christmas socks with reindeer antlers sticking out of them, or maybe a full year subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. Clark, that is truly the Christmas gift that keeps on giving all year long. Um, so what I've noticed is, most of my presents have consisted of either Marks, 150 or 300, um, once or twice, a couple times I've gotten 15 medallions out of a run. Um, most of the time I get either two or five festival tokens out of the present. And I've gotten maybe two drops of cosmetic items, uh, one cloak and one set of boots. And that's stuff that I had already in my wardrobe anyway. So 
uh, in past years, when I was doing the gift uh, run in Frost Bluff this heavily, I used to get a significant number, at least a couple over the course of the festival, of tombs, skill tombs. So, you know, plus 10 fate or level 3 agility or whatever the case may be. And uh, those do not seem to be dropping at all. I think even once I got a Starlit Crystal, I think you can get some LI scrolls out of it. But this year it appears to be uh, marks, 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 and a K tokens, 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 and occasional medallion or cosmetic item. Just no tomes. And I really think uh, they might have actually changed the, uh, uh, the loot table on this to remove those because they seem to be pretty valuable right now. Um, so I was hoping for more of those, and you know, I, I might discontinue the runs if that's really the best it can do. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for I don't know five years, never sniffed even close to a hobby horse. Although I did see one on winter in Winter Home on Landerville last week. I saw somebody hopping around on one, so uh, wondering if they bought it from the store or if they got it from uh, one of the gift exchanges. But if you guys are still getting tombs or any other decent loot like. Uh, um, you know, crystals or, um, you know, scrolls of some kind or another, uh, let me know. I, I'd like to know if those are still out there. Uh, I have not had any luck with them this year. And uh, I think that's about enough with what I've been doing in-game. So let's beacon it up. Actually, before I move on, since Bragg's sitting here with a gift in his inventory, let me open it up real quick and see what we get. And maybe I'll defy my uh, rules on this. And click. Uh, 500 marks. Actually, that's not one that I've seen before. I've had 150. I've had 300. So 500 marks is not bad in in the Ranger gamut, but still not what I'm looking for, given that I have tens of thousands of them already. Anyway. Um, Alright, so our fourth beacon is Aralas, the first Aralas of 2016. And for Aralas, we're going to do a Lotro quest highlight this week. Um, we're highlighting a quest called the Witan, Lords of the Eastern Met. I can't remember if I did this already. I'll have to go back to my Return to Hypebold episode. Uh, Grima, do some research on that and figure out if I've done this one before. Well, I'm going to do it anyway because I'm prepared. So what we learn uh, at the Witan is that, heck, it takes a long time to get there. So this is the quest that you can get when you finally finish off your Hitbold rebuild, which my Bjorning has now accomplished. So I have two tunes in game that can go back to Hitbold and enjoy its full beauty, and the rest of them still have to look at it as a burned-out hunk. So my Bjorning, long last, got uh, Kindred with all four factions in the... Um, in the East Mnet, uh, in order to be able to build out all the different town sections and hit bolt. And uh, as I said, that's the real grind now. It's not tokens. It used to be tokens. <laughs> now it's the rep. Um, so, you know, they tried to fix it, but they didn't exactly fix it. You can't, can't see, you know, making the one easier doesn't make it that much easier to get, really. Uh, you know, did it reduce the grind? Yes. It wasn't 47 days of me doing the dailies every day. But it was still, uh, I think, a couple weeks, maybe a week or two at least, uh, and uh, you know, finishing all the quests in most of those areas as well to get to that kindred rep, even with accelerators in one or two cases. Um, so, in any event, 
I triggered the quest, which I have only done ever once before in game, the Watan, Lords of the Eastern Met. And within that quest line, we learn that a Watan may only be called by the king. So its very occurrence could be considered an act of treason, uh, given that Theoden wasn't involved in calling this one, and is emblematic of the lack of faith in Theoden's current leadership that's being shown by the Thanes of the Eastern Met, the straits that they find themselves against to have to resort to this uh, to this eventuality. And so, uh, as we walk into the Mead Hall at Hitbolt, we're surrounded um, around a table by a number of folks that we've met in our journeys, including Gisling, Fastred, Jizzle, Winsig, Harding, Radwig, Bjorknoth, Ingbert, Elfmar, Athelward, Mildreth, and Ides. And uh, I dare you to remember what what town each of those people come from and what their stations are uh but i did go around the table and review um you know obviously since i've done the quest recently i remembered at least some of them uh, some more than others and uh, as i looked down at the table i noticed that the things were eating this is what was on their table in terms of food piled high uh, ribs turkey legs roasted chickens fresh baguettes pitchers of wine uh, full roasted hams a uh, pile of what I can only describe as green vomit. Looks like green gun to me. I mean, you, you can call it salad or spinach if you want, but it looks like a pile of green vomit. I mean, really. Uh, we'll call it salad. But uh, it's a pretty good spread for um, you know people that are during war times. You know, it's good to be the same, right? Uh, so Hardwig requests my permission to open the Witan since it is my town, since I am now the Thane of Hitbolt. It's very clever that Hardwig does this because he instantly gains plausible deniability that he called the Witan. Uh, me open it up? No, you open the Witan. You're not pinning this crap on me. So if if investigation goes down. You can say, you know, Bragg opened it up. Bragg's tune opened it up. I had nothing to do with it. So, very clever on your part, Harding. Uh, so, discussion starts open, and Fastred from South, uh, you know, Snowborn basically says, let's kill everything. And, uh, you know, there's a proposal to build a council to basically go to war. Um uh, People start asking, if we're going to go to war, does that mean you're declaring yourself the king of the Eastamnet? And, uh, you know, what's interesting about the way this is done is actually Turbine did a good job in that the personalities of all different people that we've met and their backstories kind of influence their uh, position at the council and the kinds of things they say during the instance. So bullying on them to uh, building those characters uh, to their, you know, out to their fullest where they're actually three-dimensional and it impacts their thinking in the way that they're uh, approaching the council itself. Uh, there's even an opinion that they should wait for... There's few people think we should wait for Yomer to beat the sense into King Theod uh, Theoden's head. Uh, a couple of people propose marching to, um, to Edoras to kill Grima who's really the problem behind uh, behind everything. And uh, there's a couple of people that just say, ride out and kill everything. <laughs> um, and then eventually the discussion kind of devolves and everybody starts talking at once over one another. It's at that point that... Uh, that uh, you know, a vote is called. Uh, four of the thanes collected agree to uh, forming the council to go to the war, and four agree to support the king and not to take any action until he orders it. 
And the tiebreaker comes down to a thane named Bjortnoth, who's um, who's the thane of Thornhope. Thornhope, as you remember, is the town in the northwest of the East Demnet, uh, outside of the Eaves of Fangorn, that has been completely destroyed and overrun by orcs and Urukai coming out of the woods. Um, so he's kind of broken and not able to break the tie between the thanes. So it ends in a 4-4 tie, and they turn to me for an opinion. Uh, of what to do. But before that question can be truly put to me to choose upon, um, my choice is interrupted by the call of fire and foes outside. And so that completes the first part of the Witan, the battle for Hitbold. So, um, starting up the second piece, where they say, let's go outside and defend the town, I go out to the front gates of Hitbold, and my towers are on fire. The towers I just freaking finished building. Just finished them. All right, this is enough to make me angry, okay? They're burning my towers. I just rebuilt this. Someone's going to pay. So, as it turns out, uh, Reeve Athelward of Cliving is the traitor who has let the uh, the armies of Isengard slip into the Eastem net uh, undetected and uh, to surround um, Hitbolt. And... Um, before you know it, a couple people run out to oppose him. Garmund is struck down. The Thane of Thornhope, Bjortnoth, steps forth, swings his sword three times and kills like nine guys in three sword strokes. So he's getting revenge. But then a troll knocks him down and uh, tragically kills him, ending the pain of his existence, you know, and given his uh, what happened to his people. And also Radwig and Jizzle have fallen during the, the course of battle. Um, finally, Ides is felled. I D E S. Ides is felled, and that Ides is the daughter of Athelward. Um, she finally gets involved, and the troll knocks her down. Does not kill her, but Athelward, who uh, sees his daughter struck down, basically says, "No, Saruman promised me she would not be harmed," and he starts to fight the troll himself. Um, Athelward basically fights the troll until it's almost dead, uh, but is killed himself, and you end up killing the troll in the end uh, that uh, that just killed Athelward. So at the end of the battle, you've got uh, four allies that are lying about the field felled, as well as Athelward, and Harding Fastred and Ingbert talk amongst themselves about the nobility or lack thereof of Athelward's end, you know, arguing that you know he showed some nobility in coming to his daughter's rescue, uh, but that um, you know the bards won't sing for him because of his uh, traitor status. And they suggest we let a few orcs go so that Saruman can tremble in his tower, since uh, he sought to weaken the East Emnet, but he's only kindled our fire. And the instance ends by saying, the Riddermark's courage slumbers no more. So the final tally is Bjortnoth of Thornhope, killed. Uh, Radwig, the Thane of Floodwind, also killed. Now, Radwig was an interesting one to see them kill because you may remember from the story of Floodwind that uh, he was a new Thane uh, that his mother, Etta, was trying to protect. He did not want her son to go out to battle. And you kind of spared him from going out to battle through the course of your questing. Um, the mother, Etta, had lost um, her husband due to his rash bravery and didn't want to lose her son. And now Radwig ends up slain and in the end, in defense of Hitbolt. Uh, the Thane of Garsfield, Jizzle. Uh, Garmund, who's the guard captain of Cliving, who would have uh, you know, basically uh, ended up opposing Athelward and Athelward himself. 
And the interesting part is you remember during, you may remember during questing around between Elthingels and uh, Cliving that Athelward totally judged Thane Mildreth of Elthingels, who mistrusted him. First, he didn't send reinforcements to help her husband against a party of orcs, and her husband was killed. Then uh, Mildreth's son challenged um, challenged Athelward to a duel uh, to try to win back his father's honor, and he was scratched, and the wound festered, and he died. Then Athelward took... Um, Mildred's daughter <laughs> as a ward to better quote unquote protector yeah right and was keeping her at cliving and uh, so obviously uh, Mildred had quite an axe to grind against Athelward and she warned us against him and uh, why were we helping this guy again so uh, does anyone have a, ever have a better I told you so than Thane Mildred of Elfengels who uh, you know, tried to tell us what a cad this guy was. So, um, the real problem here is keeping track of all these players in the final instance. Uh, by the time you reach the end of the Hippo quest line, it's hard to remember who was who from the quest that you did across the whole Eastern net to keep them straight. Um, but uh, if you do follow along and they are fresh in your memory, it does make sense. It is uh, a nice capstone to the east net kind of you know stoking the fire um in advance of obviously the mustering the rohirrim that will occur when theoden recovers and uh if there's one last thread that lies uh that lies to untangle it's uh it's going back to cliving and uh, discovering what became of the person that you imprisoned for poisoning uh, in the city of cliving, which is the last piece of that puzzle that opens up after that final hit bolt instance. And uh, for some reason, I went there and, and there were no quest rings and I couldn't activate that part of the quest. And what I finally realized was uh, I'd finished all the quests in the area except for the ones that take us over to the Rehiram training gowns where we meet Ida's. Uh, so we have to go. Uh, meet and train Ides and learn what she's about and how she wants to be a shield maid. And after completing that quest chain, um, she will appear in Hitbold following the Watan so that you can select her and uh, close out that uh, that part of the story. Uh, I didn't get a chance to do that today, but I'll be doing it shortly, and it, it certainly makes sense. The story doesn't make sense unless you understand Ides and her background and her relationship with her father, and that uh, you know gives more meaning to Watan. So uh, until that time, Wig Fuggle We'll have to still stick in prison, kicking the gates. And I even walked into the meat hall at Hitbold. Uh, I'm sorry, at Cliving, and found Athelward still sitting on his throne. So might be need of a little phasing there to get rid of him after he's dead. But you know, gotta give him a pass. And uh, last little hint about uh, Hitbold is I picked up all my Hitbold armor from my Bjorning since. Um, all those were unlocked by completing all the quests in the area. So finally got all six pieces. And in case you forget, um, this is the best uh, armor that you can get between 85 and level, let's say, 90, 92. And so you start replacing some of the pieces in questing in the West Mnet. But... Uh, but always go uh, four pieces from one line of the hip bolt armor and two from another line. So they have three different sets, one for each of your trait lines. And uh, there are there are two piece set bonuses and four seat four piece set bonuses. So if you get four from one set and two from another, you can get the uh, two and four set piece bonus from one line, and then you can get the two piece bonus from another line and maximize the set bonuses uh, between the two if you uh, basically share between two different lines. So take a look at that when you're getting your hip bolt armor. And in the meantime, I'm going to take a swig of ale.
and move on uh, from our Lotro Quest highlight of the Watan to our next beacon. Min Rima, the original word from our sponsor segment. This year on MEBC, Middle East Broadcasting Company, a brand new series that will knock your codpiece off, coming to primetime on Tuesday nights. You've seen them in Orange County, New York City, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Beverly Hills, Potomac, and Dallas. But now get ready for the real Shield Maidens of Edoras. This cutting-edge new series documents the lives of upper-class housewives slash shield maidens who lead glamorous lives in a picturesque, picturesque West Emnet-gated community where the average home has a $1.6 million gold price tag, and residents include thanes, retired leaders of the mark, and Yomer poser wannabes. Real shield maidens of Edoras will be chock-full of spicy gossip, Shield Maiden Catfights, and Pukel Man Pool Parties. Real Shield Maidens of Interest, tune in Tuesday nights, because you don't want to be left behind when these feisty women muster their Ohirim. Okay, Grima, calm down. Take it easy there, pal. Here, just breathe into this paper bag. There you, there you go. Easy, Grima. Easy. That was a little scary how excited he got there. Uh, more than a little, actually. I think we better move on. To our last beacon. Callan had the meatiest beacon of all. So, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we got a new producer's letter. Yeah, you've noticed it. It's been out a couple weeks now, and every other outlet has talked about it. But, um, you've seen all these and heard it and talked about it. So, what's really interesting about it? Well, of course, what I think. <laughs> it's the most important thing. I mean, come on. So let's take a look and dissect some of the pieces of this producer's, so-called producer's letter. Hello, all. Oh, buttering us up, are you? Fine. 2015 was a great year for Lotro, if I do say so myself. Um, so... They had a lot of beats to cover this year. They did build out two great cities of Osgiliath and Minas Tirith. And when you think about it, what are the cities in game that rival those in terms of scope? There are not any, or many, certainly. Dole Amroth was uh, a step forward. You know, uh, Karn Doom and uh, Numenos maybe were the biggest cities in the game uh, prior to this uh, that had been you know built out to this level of detail. Uh, you know, certainly Moria, if you consider it a city, but <laughs> uh, but uh, not in the classical sense. So, um, Osgiliath and Minas Tirith were significant achievements. They did roll out a brand new store, which is an improvement. They did consolidate their core servers. And uh, the only objective that they really laid out that they failed to achieve was their data center uh, upgrades, which are hopefully coming shortly. Um... They are only delayed because they have to architect a new solution for chat, which uh, I uh, actually understand at a technical level. And uh, the story will continue in 2016 with the riding of the Rahirim to the Battle of Pelennor Fields. So, so this basically confirms, um, you know, what you take away from the last lines of Gandalf in the end of the epic story, uh, when he basically leads you on to say, you know, I'll need you to, you know, we must find out if the Rahirim are coming before enemies close in about the city. Um, so they're giving us a small window to gallop north 
to meet up with our former comrades and uh, basically blaze a trail for them, I'm sure, across the new landmass. So they did not come out and say so, but the new landmass has to be the area between, uh, what's it called, the... Um, the uh, the first uh, the Fen Fen March is that what it's called the most eastern town in in the West Mnet and uh, basically the line of the beacons between Gondor and uh, Rohan so we're gonna see them all baby we're gonna see Amandine we're gonna see Min Rimon we're gonna see Callan Had we're gonna see uh, and Erlas and all the other ones they're all gonna be there. It's going to be awesome, and uh, I can't wait for LTB MEWHQ to be on the actual beacons that we've been talking about for the last year and a half. So that is exciting to me. Um, I like the way the story goes that we're kind of marshalling them and building towards the March of the Mahirim because, you know, besides the epic battles, what are we really going to do in the city while it's being attacked, right? So we're going where the action is, we're marshalling the cavalry, and we're going to charge down into the Pelennor Fields and kick some butt. Um, and they also mentioned a push towards the Black Gates, right? And that is really the uh, the major question is when they say push towards the Black Gates, how close are we going to get? Are we going to go to the crossroads and take a left? Or are we first going to step into the environs of Minas Morgul? So Minas Morgul will be built out. The question is will it happen after the Black Gates? So after the fall of Sauron, we go and penetrate Minas Morgul to see what happened inside? Or will it happen before? Uh, my money is on us going to the crossroads and uh, having Mithrandir and Aragorn uh, set us on an errand to try to find out what happened to the hobbits in Kirith Ungol and Minas Morgul while they turn left to go up to the Black Gates. And that will enable us to explore Minas Morgul. It will enable us to have our 12-man raid with Shelob and uh, probably stop on the doorsteps of uh, moving forward into Mordor and then double back to join them at the Black Gates. So that is that is my prediction and best guess as to the intent there, and I really do think that is the right way to go. They're going to increase the level cap to 105. To me, if they were going to do it, I would have rather they did it to 110. I'm not a big fan of the five-level cap increases. It gives you a little bit of momentum, but... Um, it seems insubstantial. It seems like it's uh, kind of artificial when you only do it five levels to me. Um, you know, there'll be people that'll be 105 in the first hour because they did sword halls for 22 hours straight or whatever the case may be. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, the Pelennor Fields will contain a new instance cluster as well as a long-weighted 12-man raid. So very, very interesting uh, what is the setting for these uh, for these different instances in the cluster? Um, you know, the Pelnors are a wide open field, so I see a couple options here. Uh, one option could be they could send us up into the foothills to the south and north of uh, Minas Tirith um, to basically try to stop uh, orcs from penetrating. Uh, penetrating through the foothills of Gondor up around the sides of the mountain. So that's one guess. Um, they could send us into the causeway forts uh, to try to take down various leaders of the different armies. And of course, in 12-man raid, they could send us plunging on mounted ward steeds straight into the teeth of the enemy. 
Uh, you know, what other options are there? You know, there could be a six-man to, uh, you know, after the battle to go into Minas Tirith and try to stop, you know, the orcs from penetrating some of the interior doors before they break them down and, you know, kill a bunch of innocents. Um, so those are the main options that I see. Another option that could be part of the storytelling is to uh, have one of the instances be to clear out the docks um, for the arrival of the Black Fleet of Aragorn. Um, so that's another one. So there's different areas around the battlefield uh, that have stories to tell that could lead to this cluster, and I'm sure they're exploring all those options. Maybe we'll get them all. Who knows? New collections will be added, starting with emotes. Okay. So it's a good candidate. I don't mind it. There are a lot of emotes you can pick up in-game. Of course, it's really you know a marketing engine to try to get you to buy the ones that are store-only, but... Those are relatively few and far between uh, versus the ones you can get in the game. So I give them a pass on that. They've got to try to make the money somehow. Quality of life fixes. I'm excited about this. I'll tell you why. I thought they did a lot of good things with quality of life fixes this past year. It wasn't just lip service. They asked for ideas and a lot of the long-standing things that players have complained about, they delivered on. So I'm hopeful for this area. And we look forward to seeing Middle-earth as Lotro enters its ninth year. Wow, we are getting long in the tooth. Signed, Athena Vivian Peters, executive producer of Lord of the Rings Online. And the reason that's big is because at the end of last year, Rowan was on his way out. Vivian was brand new, and we had no idea what to expect. And I think if you took a poll, you would find um, a large portion of the player base uh, to be positive towards the communications and uh, and results of the team as led by Vivian in this past year. I am. Uh, one gripe I have is that I wish some of these communications were a bit more frequent. They don't seem to have the bandwidth to do the developer diaries and some of the more detailed communications as they have in the past. I've read uh, annual producers' letters from other games that are much more detailed than the ones that we're getting. And I think it's a little bit of shyness about overcommitting, given that they never know what their resource levels are going to be and what they're going to be able to accomplish. So, uh, that's my take on the producer's letter. Uh, it's about what I expected. Obviously, the 12-man raid was, you know, I thought we might not get that until we got to Minas Morgul. So, getting it as part of the Battle of the Pelennor is good. Uh, we're getting some land masses. Level cap increase, okay. Um, you know, collections, eh. Uh, quality of life, and probably more than anything else, I'm looking forward to the conclusion of the epic story. Bringing our old friends together with our new friends from Minas Tirith and uh, playing out some of the drama that we know is going to occur there. So, um, let's take a look back at the 2015 predictions from last year. And yes, this just goes to show how long my podcast has been around now. Uh, that we had predictions at the beginning of last year, and we are now been around long enough to actually comment in them. Did someone say longevity? Hello? You guys thought it was a flash in the pan. Okay, so top 10 predictions for 2015 made last year. You know how this process works. Uh, I made a bunch of vague and pointless guesses, and then I find a way to claim they were true at the end of the year to pat myself on the back for how smart I am. So let's get started with that process. Uh, 10 last year, the return of Rook riding his A-bank with the Merhirim across the Pelennor fields. Well, Rick did indeed return inside the Dome of Stars instance. Full credit. Uh, number nine, 
episodic content. Nona stars in a new TV series called Real Wives of Dunland. Theme song, Real Wives of Dunland. Well, as you heard earlier in this episode, this is indeed happening in a different part of Middle Earth with the Real Wives of Edoras. Full credit. Number eight, a new PVMP map fought on the mining tracks atop the pit of iron outside of Isengard. A new PVMP map happened indeed. Full credit. Number seven, the ultimate group content. A warband featuring a roving threat inside a new raid instance embedded in a skirmish wrapped by an epic battle. Um, This was basically the final chapter in the latest epic book. Full credit. Uh, all itemization to be replaced by additional rolls on the Hobbit present slot machine. Jackpot is three universal power potions and a rally horn. Uh, instead, we got essences, which are about as good. So, partial credit. Number five, quality of life improvements will include discontinuation of the forum pages. I never really read them this year, so they are in fact gone as far as I know. Full credit. Number four, mounted combat to include war pigs a la Dane. Well, my Bjorning Warsteed kind of feels as useless as a war pig, so full credit. Number three, character transfers to be controlled via the mail system. Additional postage fees may apply to EU servers. Um, so I've done the transfer on the new wizard, and I'd say it's just about as easy. Full credit. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, in the character transfers I did this week, uh, I moved over three characters from Vilya to Landreville, three of my last remaining characters to move from that server. And uh, I cut over to my personal mail to basically kill some time uh, until my notification complete message came through, and it was already in my inbox. I think the transfers literally finished in under a minute. Um, and later on, I moved a single character to another server, and I, I think it was basically back in under 15 seconds. So that, to me, is very impressive. Um, I know they don't have the full weight of all the uh, shared storage stuff that I had previously, but um, those things are humming now that they're not being uh, now that they're not being hammered by thousands of characters trying to move simultaneously. Number two, legendary item imbuement will be accessible immediately to all characters level 101 and up. Also, a new PvMP map, raid, music system overhaul, housing revamp, and lag fixes. Enjoy. So this is true as far as you all know, as far as all you level 101 characters know. Full credit. Uh, P.S. Just about all this stuff is either out or promised in 2016 anyway. Uh, number one, new executive producers to be named in 2015 will include Saul Zance, Andang, Rick Heaton, Rowan, Horstev, Leonor, the Pantsless, King John Ill, and the Tooth Fairy. Well, Vivian might as well be the Tooth Fairy with what the team has been able to deliver with a smaller staff this past year. Thanks, No thanks to the Warner Brothers brass. I say well done. Full credit. So, by my reckoning, that's about 9.5 out of 10 points for 2015 predictions. Not too shabby. Uh, let's move on to 2016. Top 10 predictions list. Let's have uh, some sort of appropriate sound effect. No, not that one. No. Oh, come on. Give it up, guys. Jeez, really? All right. Close enough. Top 10 predictions list in 2016. Number 10, MMO Reporter goes into hyperdrive without that pantsless slouch Leonor weighing it down and records its 500th episode by the Winter Festival. Number 9, 
This is the best raid of all time. All of my dreams have come true, and I cannot ask for anything more. Turbine is so wonderful, says no Lotro Forums poster ever. Number eight, Horn is saved at the last minute when the lead graphic designer and epic story author both simultaneously suffer massive heart attacks. The MMO cartoon peril was no more. Number seven, Pukel Man Stone Golems become the 11th playable class in Lotro. Can you say Pukel Play? Number six, Expanding Universe Theory dictates that the 22 new servers are added back to the game after the ring is destroyed in the Big Bang. Number five, Housing Revamp is slated for fall quality of life release, including the ability to become a Hobbit Slumlord during the scouring of the Shire. Number four, Mounted Combat Instance is included in the new raid cluster for the Pelennor Fields, including the ability to move your warsteed frame by frame like a claymation figurine or simulating a bullet time slow motion dodging maneuver as in the Matrix. Number three, new collections. In 2016, new collections will be published, including Hobnanigans Trophies, World Chat Trolls, and of course, expansion packs. Collect them all. Number two, a new festival is wedged somewhere between the anniversary event, Spring Festival, and Farmer's Fair, and it is called the Black Friday Equinox, celebrating the annual slashing of Turbine's development staff. Ouch. And lastly, number one. The steward of Angmar, who was revealed as Mordrith, who was then reborn as Gothmog, who was then found out to actually be Erner, the last king of Gondor, spoiler alert, turns out in the end to be none other than Bill Fernie. I knew it! That brings us to our seventh beacon of Halafirian! It's time for Blessed Relief! It's the end of the 47th episode of Light the Beacons. <sighs> How far we've come in a year and a half? I uh, would love to hear your plaudits, feedbacks, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalm at gmail.com. That's Brag with two A's. The second A stands for antelope. On Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalm. And my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. And I kindly request you take the time to create a 2016 iTunes review if perchance you are so inclined. And if they are on a foreign version of iTunes, please let me know they're out there so I can track them down. I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven New Year's resolutions, I will try to include them in the next podcast, or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-Earth. This is Bragg, the son of Balin, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember... The next time you fall asleep with your face in the toxic lake in the foundations of stone while waiting for the ball to reach the bottom of the endless stairs and wake up with a green beard, don't despair. Light the beacons. Okay, so as promised, we have a very special segment as the outro for the podcast this week. I went back through all 22 episodes of 2015 and selected clips from all the best beacons, as this is something the viewers really seem to enjoy from last year's retrospective. All the best song parodies, biggest laughs, coolest top ten lists, most insightful commentary, and of course, the most clever advertising sponsors. Anything that I felt elevated the podcast above the basest level of drivel imaginable, and I've compiled them all for your listening pleasure. 
I look forward to generating more top quality content like this for you in 2016. So without further ado, here is Volume 2 of The Best of the Beacons, 2015. Enjoy. <laughs>